attention as currency. Hi, and welcome to The Voice in My Head for Monday, October the 10th, the fifth episode of season two. My name is Neil Headley. Oh, and yes, thank you to the people who caught that last week was not the third episode, despite what I said at the beginning of the show. The idea of attention as currency isn't new. I mean, I'd love to be able to take credit for it, to trademark the phrase and watch tens of dollars come dribbling into my bank account every millennium or so. But the idea of attention as currency is built right into the word itself. I mean, surely I'm not the first of 10,000 people you've encountered using the phrase, pay attention. Think about it. We can make a pretty compelling argument. I would posit that attention is a far more valuable currency than the Bitcoin fanboys can possibly imagine. The reason that more people don't chase after attention as an investment? Easy. The riches that await will remain beyond your grasp without a certain level of mastery of both science and art. See, attention as currency can't be hacked. You have to earn it. But learn how to earn it and how to hold on to it, and your potential power is virtually limitless. Consider, as our first example, a politician. Often we see their prowess at the podium as more valuable than the potency of their policies. Why? Because, as we've seen from multiple examples, even just over the last 10 years or so, attention means traction. Some politicians get our attention the same way that you can't avert your eyes passing a car wreck on the highway, but once they've got your attention, there's a certain hypnotic quality to even the most vile of buffoons. The rise of populism in politics has a lot to do with attention as currency. Maybe I have a poorly developed platform, or it could be ill-conceived policies. Maybe even every penny of my political capital came from the complete suspension of disbelief. The wisdom of P.T. Barnum's there's a sucker born every minute comes into full play here. Look at the stunning number of people who can be swayed to become not just supporters, but evangelists, defenders, even recruiters to gather even more of the easily duped masses. Paying attention is an investment of intellectual energy. And when you direct little of your intellectual energy toward critical thinking, well, attention as currency becomes an even more powerful proposition. Let's think about artists in the same light. Musicians, maybe. I mean, if you put out an album full of songs that I absolutely can't get enough of, well, for those moments that I'm listening to your songs, you've got my attention. It's why people tend to drive according to the song that's playing on the radio. Seriously, I catch myself gripping the steering wheel differently when Phil Collins' Take Me Home comes on than I do for Radar Love by Golden Earring. Now, you can use that attention to direct me toward a number of things. You can get me to imagine all the people living life in peace, for example. The attention paid to John Lennon's message in Imagine wasn't solely from that one song. John Lennon built his entire career to lead up to that moment, and I believe that he cultivated it with an almost molecular level of precision. 
By the time Imagine came along, most of us had come to know that John Lennon had a lot of powerful things to say. And don't underestimate the power of a lyric like, She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when that song came along, people paid attention. They paid a lot of attention. And they kept paying attention to everything John Lennon did. That investment paid huge dividends for Lennon obviously in the form of record sales and songwriting royalties and for all too short of a time for concert ticket revenue. But Lennon was smart enough to leverage that investment of attention as currency and get us to pay even more attention to the things that he valued. Peace, love, harmony. Want another example? Look at advertisers, marketers, media figures. If you can get me to pay attention to your message, Chances are good that there's money in it for you somewhere along the way. Get me to pay attention to your commercial, I might buy your product. If I pay enough attention to your YouTube videos or your podcast, you're going to get advertising revenue. If I pay enough attention to your television show, your network's ad revenue will grab you a bigger contract. Again, attention as currency. The connection is obvious. And make no mistake about that last example. It's not always about the quality of of what you're putting out in the world. I mean, I would be horrified to find that the people behind the National Enquirer actually believe they're informing the public by writing and publishing a story about Joe Biden's three-headed Martian love child. They don't get paid to be the ultimate arbiters of truth. They get paid to attract and hold your attention, hopefully long enough that you buy a copy of the paper. For crying out loud, Fox News testified in court that Tucker Carlson shouldn't be taken at his word. They swore under oath that he's not a journalist, he's an entertainer, and a skilled one at that. I mean, a disturbing amount of the content on his show strains credulity, but it's presented with such flair and skill that people are willing to overlook the tenuous relationship with the truth and invest instead in the ability to get attention. I mean, you could argue that this particular use of attention as currency has become dangerous, but that's a subject for another show. The thing that worked so well in John Lennon's favor is the thing that must give the Tucker Carlson's of the world fits. Lennon just had to keep cranking out great music and his fans would continue to pay attention, but consider the attention potential of 10 albums versus 10 television episodes, or 10 copies of the National Enquirer, or 10 radio commercials. For John Lennon, maintaining that same level of attention meant doing more of the thing that attracted that attention in the first place. Write great songs. Lennon wasn't even that great a singer. I mean, he wasn't like Bob Dylan bad, or Leonard Cohen bad or Neil Young bad, but all of those artists had a relationship with the written word that kept their fans investing attention. And for each of them, it means writing more songs, give the fans more of what they came for, and often efforts to expand that attention base beyond the soft boundaries you've already set can backfire. Ask Garth Brooks about the life of Chris Gaines sometime. For Tucker Carlson, you can't just trot out your greatest hits. Giving the fans more of what they came for means, like it did for John Lennon, 
coming up with more episodes that have some common thread with those greatest hits. For the National Enquirer, it means finding more stories like The Martian Three-Headed Baby. For the radio advertiser, it means keeping me from turning off the radio when your commercial comes on, and in fact, turning the volume up because I've come to expect things from you that are entertaining. By way of a very quick plug, it's giving them more of what they came for that's at the heart of our enhancement marketing copywriting course. We're not distracting people from what they were enjoying when they came across our ad. We're giving them more of it. If they came to our publication to read great articles, we're going to give them more great long-form advertising. If they're watching our ad in the middle of their favorite sitcom, we're going to keep them laughing. They're consuming whatever it is they're consuming because it entertains them. And if our copywriting doesn't entertain them, we're not giving them more of what they came for. We're not enhancing their entertainment. We're interrupting it. And I don't know about you, but my parents taught me that interrupting was rude. And whenever possible, I tried to pay attention. That puts the wraps on the fifth episode of season two of The Voice in My Head. Hey, very quick piece of housekeeping to let you know that the pricing on the coaching sessions that we offer to podcasters is about to change. Now, single sessions are going to continue to be 25 bucks, but we're getting a number of requests to make that ongoing coaching a reality. So we're about to unveil a more budget-friendly price point for that. Details on it soon. Now, if anything in this episode or any of the others would prompt you to Pick up the tab if we sat for caffeinated beverages together. You can spring for a virtual coffee instead as another way to say thanks. Just head to buymeacoffee.com slash NOP. And NOP is spelled K-N-O-P-P. If you want to reach me directly, you can drop me an email to talk about this or our copywriting course, coaching, whatever else is on your mind. I am only too happy to help. My email address is neil, that's N-E-I-L, at nopstudios.com. Till next time, thanks for listening to The Voice in My Head. I'm Neil Headley.